we are uh, celebrating today what God has done over the last month in our church and through our church and missions and excited about what God has done and is doing in the life of our congregation. Uh, I was looking at the calendar this week, and it has been uh, three years this week since the God through you called me as pastor of this congregation. And I was thinking back to that first Saturday night that we gathered together and we had question and answer time. And one of the things that I talked about at that time uh, was that I wanted us to become an Acts 1-8 church. And I knew that there were already projects in Lynch and in Chile, but that I wanted to expand the work that we were doing, joining God in mission. And so uh, as I was on the flight back from Brazil, I couldn't help but think that uh, we have in the last month seen teams go out from this church and do missions locally, nationally, and internationally. Well, we had a service projects here in Nashville, which you're going to hear about, project in Charleston, South Carolina, and then project in Porto Sucre, Brazil. And so today we're going to celebrate all of that. We're going to uh, hear first from our uh, youth group and Cote and, and Jeff are going to talk a little bit about that and some of the youth that went on that. And then we're going to report about Brazil as well. But I just wanted to celebrate today what God is doing and to challenge you to be a part of God's global mission wherever you are. You see, God has a purpose for us. Uh, we're reading as a staff a book called The Mission of God. And in that book, he makes a statement that basically says this, that God does not have a mission for his church. God has a church for his mission. And the idea is that we are a part of a grand scheme and plan. And that at any time we think that this is the end of our existence, that church is the pinnacle of what we're supposed to be doing, then we are mistaken. Because what we're supposed to be doing is using this as an opportunity to tell others about Jesus Christ. Nashville, nationally, and across the world. And so this morning, we just want to take some time. I know in your order of service says we're going to do the offertory next. We're, we're not going to do the offertory next, all right? Believe me, we will take an offering before the end of the service, all right? We're not going to do that next. We'll do that in a few minutes. There's a, actually a video that I want to show during uh, our offertory this morning from Brazil. But before we do that, I just want to let Coat and Jeff come and tell you a little bit about and have a couple of their students tell you a little bit about the projects that have been happening locally and nationally in the last few weeks. So I'm going to turn it over to them. Hey again, church. We went, as Lyle said, to Charleston, South Carolina for a project called Infuge. And the cool thing about Infuge is it kind of accomplishes two things in a youth ministry. A, it allows us to go and obviously serve people who have obvious needs that we can meet. And the other thing that it does is it gives Jeff and I a week's worth of face time with our students so that we're able to just pour the word into them in kind of a, um, a really potent kind of mix, you know, for a week. They're just getting nailed with it the whole time. And, and so it was a really beneficial time for us. We saw a lot of folks just begin to see their lives more clearly, understand what God expects from them more clearly, and hopefully now their light is going to shine more clearly. So that's the hope. And I just want to allow Jackson Chambers to come up and share a little bit of his experience from Impuge because he was one of the folks that... Um, benefited from it. So come on up here, Jackson. What's up, everybody? Um, my name's Jackson, like you heard. And a few weeks back, me and uh, about 16 of us went to Charleston, South Carolina from the youth group, and we did just different mission projects that could, you chose from a different track. It could have been a social kind of track where you go out to nursing homes, or you could have played with little kids, or you could have done PCY, which was painting and construction and yard work, which is what I wanted to do that, but it didn't work out because I went through a shoulder surgery and they said I couldn't lift her and do any of that kind of stuff. So, And Jeff was telling me about the different tracks and he said that one of them was peer evangelism. I said, peer evangelism, that sounds like a challenge. I want a challenge. So I, did, I didn't know what to expect going into this week. I just didn't know what I would get out of it, but I got a whole lot out of it. But anyways, when we got there, we met our track group. You just We automatically, our group just like clicked. And the first day we went out on the beach and we did different things, such as we played volleyball with other kids, just invited them and talked to them about their relationship with Jesus, and we passed out water bottles to people, and 
we just t- went around and just met people and just straight up just talked to them about the Lord. And it was just, it was such a cool experience because <clears throat> I've never done that before, just to go up and talk to people about God. And it just really opened up a whole new world for me of growing as a Christian. And it was, you didn't, I didn't lead anyone to Christ while I was there, but I could have planted a seed. I don't know if I did. And I don't, I'm, I don't know if I'll never know, but you know, it's just enough to go up to someone and just say, hey, how you doing? Where are you from? Just to get to know someone. That's that's showing the love of God right there, just being kind to someone just like that. And it was just really cool just getting to know, like, all the friends that I made there in my group. And they're just really encouraging from the faith that they had, too. And it just let me know that you have to surrender everything to God. You have to step out of your comfort zone. And you have to tell people about Jesus. You have to do what Jesus did here. You have to step out of your comfort zone, not caring what other people think. And it's just like that. Once you do it, it's like God takes over from there. It's so easy. I can't tell you how nervous I was just every day. But once you did it, it it just got easier each day. And me and Wendy went together a lot. She was like one of my main partners in it. And just, I know when you're in a group, it's a lot easier too. But it's just such an awesome experience there at MPU just to serve. I just, I just learned as a Christian that's the one thing that we lack in as a, as a whole. We don't give back enough, like, serving-wise. Just giving up a day each week or a day here each month. I don't know. We can just do so much more. And just not, I'm not trying to call anybody out. I'm just calling myself out on it. Like, I don't do enough, I feel like. And it just really showed me in order to grow as a Christian, you have to step out of your comfort zone and help others and just talk to others and tell each other about Jesus and be there for your friends. But it was just such a wonderful experience there at Infuge. And I want to close out with a verse that I read when I got back. It was a Joshua 1 9. It's just, it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified and do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is always with you. And that just, I think about that daily, each day when I wake up you got to live each day for God full out. That's all I got. Thanks. We, we gave the youth about a week to recover from about three hours of sleep a night. We gave myself and Code about a week to recover from about three hours of sleep a night. And then we got back home, and uh, we had an event here called Take Back the City. And um, basically we started it on Tuesday night by going downtown and working with a ministry called the Bridge Ministry um, that basically... They serve uh, a hot meal and uh, distribute personal items to about 150 to 200 homeless folks um, every uh, Tuesday night uh, downtown underneath the Jefferson Street Bridge. So we took a group of about 20 of our students down there Tuesday night to help them set up and do uh, do everything that is involved with that. And then Wednesday through Friday, we spent our days uh, partnering with some other local missions organizations here in uh, Nashville and uh, also work to help serve some of our membership here at FEC Goodlettsville. And um, the one thing that myself and and Coder are both very passionate about as far as our leadership with the students is um, we love taking the kids to Infuge. That's great. We love the fact that we have a team that travels thousands of miles to Brazil. That's great. Um, Most of us can only afford to do that maybe one week out of the year. Uh, maybe one week every couple of years. So what about the other 50 or 51 weeks of the year that we're here? What are we doing? What is our church doing? What are we as individuals doing to serve the Lord? Um, And I tell you what, Nashville right now, uh, it's hard to turn around and not find somewhere that they need help, that they need someone to come in and uh, whether it be the Reconstruction from the flood, whether it be just coming in and helping sort food and, and organize things. Um, we live in a city where God has got a lot of folks and a lot of ministries going on doing a lot of good things. And uh, our focus with our students is to make sure that we are plugging in, that service needs to become part of who we are. It needs to become part of what we do every day, every week, every month, every year. And uh, that's what our Take Back the City uh, campaign was kind of focused on. And we were fortunate enough to have one of our students who went overseas to Brazil and uh, also stayed around here and uh, helped out with Take Back the City. So she had a little bit of both worlds um, this summer. And so we're going to let Callie Brooks come and just share a quick word about 
her experience with Take Back the City? Um, I'm going to start by saying this is the first real manual labor I have done in a really long time. And so, yeah, my dad's probably going to work me after this. But um, it, when I got there and we started cutting cardboard, you know, and raking gravel, it, it didn't seem like it would be something that would impact me as strongly as it did. You know, um, it, it, at the end of the day, I felt so satisfied with the work that we had done, and I was proud of the youth members that helped us, and it was an amazing experience. Um, like Jeff said, we have to get out there the rest of the time when you're not on an overseas mission and help the local areas too. And, you know, it's, it's amazing. It was a great experience, and I was so satisfied with the work that we had done. And at the end of the week, um, I was surprised because on Saturday when I got home, there was nothing to do that day, and I felt really lazy not working because I'd been. I, I was like, oh well, I have to go do something, you know, go help someone, even even though I usually don't. But just getting in the habit of that throughout the week, I felt I felt useless just sitting at home, and I was like, I need to go help someone. But overall, it was a great experience and helping people. I didn't know it would bring this much of a joy to me, just serving God in that area of witnessing and work is probably half the witnessing the, w- the ways that you could witness you know because it shows that you're serving them like Jesus served people and that usually you know actions speak louder than words so yeah that's it we've had a we've had a great few weeks and uh, we're going to share a little bit more have a couple people share about Brazil in a minute but before we do that we want to show you a video I'm going to Ask those that are taking our offering to go ahead and make their way down to the front. Uh, and in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And after I pray, you're going to watch a video. The video was actually made for us by a church in Porto Segura, Brazil. And so uh, the church in Brazil made the video for us and uh, showed the work that we did during the week. And so I want you to see that and uh, just uh, see a glimpse of what we did. And then we're going to share a little bit afterwards uh, after we do that. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity that we have had. To, uh, to serve you and to hear testimony of the service that has happened for you. And we pray, Lord, that as we continue in this, that we will remember it is your mission, your task, your people that you're after. Lord, I pray that you would burden us with the desire to serve and to reach out into the community in which we live. Lord, I pray that even as we give today, we give knowing that you, uh, well, that you are doing mighty and wonderful things with the funds that we provide that you were doing amazing things for your kingdom around this place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. City, you're the king of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the
many of their people working with us in the ministries. And the first two days, I know of over a hundred salvation experiences that have taken place. And God is working in a mighty way. And I want to thank the people at Goodlessville for allowing their leadership and some of their lay people to come. Lyle is the primary leader, but many of them are leaders as well as they get here. And I'm so thankful for each one. They work very, very hard, really early in the morning, quite late at night. They're involved with glasses, they're involved with drama, they're involved with with the shoes, they're involved in dental work, they're involved in the prayer work. But basically, they're involved in telling people about the Lord Jesus and inviting them to come to know Him as Lord and Savior. I would say at the scale we're going now, we will have several hundred professions of faith this week, and it's an extension of your church. It's a willingness on your part to be a part of the global evangelization. We want you to know that we're doing a great work here uh, on the island of Puerto Seguro. It has been an amazing week so far, and there is still so much to be done. God has blessed us beyond what we could ask or imagine. People are filling into this place. They're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they're being served. Your generosity in helping to send us here and providing uh, materials for us to minister here is making a huge impact on this community. We're seeing close to three to 400 people a day come through these doors, come into our ministries, and to be experience the love of Jesus Christ. We're confident that God is doing an amazing work here, and we see the results all around. So thank you, First Baptist Phillipsville, and we really, really hope that many of you will join us in the days ahead and doing the ministry here in Puerto Seguro, Brazil. You're the king of these people. You're the Lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the E nós temos um time vindo dos Estados Unidos, um grupo. And they're from Goodlitchfield, Tennessee. Eles são de Goodlitchfield, do estado do Tennessee. And uh, we're here uh, building a wall around his new church. Nós estamos aqui fazendo esse, esse muro, morando essa nova igreja aqui. E nós também vamos estar prontos para colocar aquele piso também, levantar ali para fazer o culto. Aquela área ali, fazer uns banheiros também ali tudo. E o pastor Max vai estar, vai estar rápido fazendo o culto aqui.
cantando junto para a glória de Deus. Eu sou o Charles, eu sou o Charles e sou o pastor Gary. Esse é o nosso pastor abençoado. Deus abençoe vocês. Raquel. Aquela é a Rachel. A Raquel. Rachel. Randy. 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 things that was a little different about this year from last year is that we got to work with two churches actually and uh we uh i'm gonna have somebody share from both perspectives one of the churches that we worked with was what you saw at the end was pastor max's church uh pastor max is an interesting story because he started a church a few years ago in the back of his house uh they have this little room dugout room in the back of his house and he started a church there and it's no bigger than this platform this stage And uh, they have about 75 to 80 people attending church in a room that size. Uh, and so we went down there, and what you saw was a vacant lot that the city of Porto Seguro gave to Pastor Max's church. Now, when was the last time a city gave any land to anybody? They gave a land, the land. And Pat, the, the mayor of Porto Seguro is not a believer. Uh, they've witnessed to him many times he's not a believer. They gave the land to them and said, if you can get a church built on there, you can have it. And so... Uh, that project developed in March of this year, and we went down there, and we did the first part. We built the wall around it. That's a very important thing in Brazil because if not, people can come take part of your land. If you don't have a wall, you wall off your land. And uh, and then they, our group poured a slab for a worship center, and we got word yesterday that worship center is done. And so their first worship service will be next Sunday in that worship center. Uh, and it's going to be there for years, this church that God is building in Puerto Segura, Brazil. And so uh, part of that team was Randy Brooks, and Randy's going to come share with you just about his experience um, working there. Randy's been there two years. Uh, I bragged on Bob in the first service Bob shared. I'll tell you this, Gary Taylor, who you saw in the video, uh, has been doing this for 23 years, and he said that Randy uh, was perhaps the hardest American worker he's ever worked with. Uh, Randy... Uh, is a machine when he's down there and I like watching him from a distance right just boy that looks like he's working hard there it's good to glad he's doing that so I'm gonna let Randy just share a little bit about what God kind of did with him during the week all for supporting us with your prayers and your your money and things without that these trips wouldn't be possible um, after you go there you realize that everything we do is is worth it um, I'll start by saying two years ago, I, I made this statement out loud to someone, I will never leave the United States of America. I said, I don't even want to go to New York City. I, I like it here. I, there's nothing up there I want to see. And then the Brazil trip came up. My family all wanted to go. And I, I kept looking for a reason not to go. I don't want to leave the United States of America. Well, I couldn't come up with a reason, so I said, that must be a sign. So we went. And and had a, a wonderful trip last year. This year was a totally different trip. I didn't know what to expect last year. So this year I thought, well, it might be the same. It's totally different. Last year we had 16 Brazilians on our construction site that were hired labor. And some of them were Christians. Most of them were not. This year we had three, and one of them was a Christian. The rest of them were all volunteers from the church. Um, so you do, as Bob said earlier, you... you develop a long-standing, you know, a week's relationship with these people. You can't talk to them because they speak Portuguese and you have one interpreter for ten people. But you just get a bond with them. Last year, I don't know how, I think we had 14 or something like that of the construction workers except Christ, which was just unbelievable. This year, we didn't have any, of course, because we only had two that were were not Christians. I didn't share anything with them. We just worked. And at the end of the week, one of those two came forward and accepted Christ. 
And right then you realize that all the trouble and all the work you go through, that one soul was worth every bit of it. You know, I mean, there's, it's just, that's what it's all about. The Lord works in funny ways. We're, Bob and them worked so hard on that wall. And Gary said this was the first wall he's ever built in the 20-some years he's been down there. And he wanted to do it with all Americans, with no Brazilian help. Well, they worked their brains out. I was over digging dirt, moving some dirt around. And they, they finished this wall right on schedule, which I didn't think they could do. So Thursday we get ready to pour concrete. And there's not very many of us. And, and I had dug dirt all week. My back was wore out. So we started mixing the concrete, and they have these two tools. I've learned two Brazilian words. One of them is ishada, and what I told the Brazilians that was is grubbing hoe. So that's what we call a grubbing hoe here. The other one is, no, I'm sorry, that was the ishando. The ishada is like, I call it a man killer, because it's this great big hoe with a big long handle. And that's how you mix the concrete. And so we start on Thursday, and I start trying to mix, and I can't do it. I'm not getting anything done, and there's not many of us there. And I'm thinking, Lord, we're not going to get this done today. There's no way. I said, I can't do it. I'm looking around. Bob's struggling. Everybody's wore out from all the work we've done. And I told Laura, I said, Lord, I, I need some help. I said, I, this is not going to happen. You know, it's, I'm looking around. It's not going to happen. Well, we got through the first batch, and we're working along, and it's just nothing's getting done. And they're shoveling. We're mixing. They poured the water in it, and they're shoveling it in. They were leaving a lot behind. So I got this ishando, which is like a grubbing hoe, and so I start gathering up the, the stuff that didn't get mixed because nobody could mix it right. And I, mix, I pulled it on up into the pile and started working, and immediately it, it started working so much better. And, and it just started to speed up, and things started to work, and it was much easier, and the guys mixing were just mixing away, and I was loosening ahead of them. And we got through with that, and we did the next batch in just record time. And Gary said, he said, I've done this 20 years, he said, we've never mixed that much concrete that quickly. And at the end of the day, we were done by 3 o'clock and done and gone. We, had, we left. And that freed us up for Friday. So already the Lord, the Lord showed me, you know, if he wants it done, it's going to get done. I don't care how weak I am and how sorry I am. It's done on his time. So Friday we got the, the pleasure of going over to the other ministry where, the, where all the others had worked so hard with the shoes and stuff. And I'm a little leery about this because I'm used to the week long. You don't have to talk. You just kind of do by example. So immediately they, they say, okay, you're going to do. Uh, actually, Lyle says to Jared me, he said, do either one of you have a problem sticking your hand in somebody's mouth? And, of course, you know, being I'm old and stupid, I just kind of say, ah, you know. And Jared kind of makes this funny face. So he says, okay, Jared, you do teeth. And, Randy, you do the feet. So... So I go in to do the feet, and I sit down. I have no idea what I'm doing, you know. And they say, oh, it's easy. Just, just wash their feet and tell them about Jesus. Oh, okay, well, I'm out of my comfort zone really bad. So I sit down. I think, I've seen the interpreters work, and they, they're, they're miracle workers. You know, I can say, uh, and, they, and they just start talking. And, you know, and I just, I can sit there and go, blah, 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 blah. And they, they tell them, and these people are nodding and smiling. So I know that if I mess up... They've got my back, and they're going to take care of us. So I sit down, and they bring the interpreter in, and, and she's one of the very small ones. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. So at one point I asked her, I said, what do we say to them? And she turns and starts saying that to them. And I'm like, no, 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 stop, stop. So I know it's all on me now. And, and so I'm nervous as anything. And so after I get through the first one, I said, Lord, you know, I, I, I'm not doing any good here. I need some help. Help me out. The rest of the day, through the shoes, and then the afternoon I did the teeth, every person that, that the Lord sent to my station was already a Christian and already went to church. And I said, thank you, Lord, because I said, I, I'm not getting it done. I said, it's all you. And I said, you know, he knew I couldn't do it. And so, you know, that's twice the Lord, I saw the Lord working. And uh, the last day we went to the celebration and you know, they celebrate in such a different way. Their music is so upbeat and strong, and they're all standing, and they're singing, and they're dancing, and I, they just have a big time. And it's very encouraging, but it is a little, a little hard to follow because you can't understand what they're saying. So even though you're worshiping with them, it's just not, 
maybe not 100% what it could be. And then they started playing a song that we sing all the time. And I, I don't know the name of it. I just recognize the tune. And immediately I just get chill bumps. And they, we start singing. And so I'm singing along. And I had to stop. I couldn't sing. I got so choked up. And you're just overwhelmed with emotion. And then you realize, you look around, I say, you know, there'll be a day that we'll all meet in heaven and we won't need interpreters up there. I'll, I'll meet these people. Some of them I'll meet and I won't even remember them, but they'll say, I remember you from, from there and we'll, you know, and it'll just be a wonderful time. Um, I'm going to close by saying on our way back, we, we missed our little flight and so everyone was a little discouraged at this time and we were all very polite, but nobody was happy. So we, 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 find, we realized there's nothing we can do. We go around. We sit down. We're trying to figure out how we can get another flight and what we can do. Callie is very upset. And so she sits down, and she gets out the Wild Goose Chase book that we've been reading by, was it Robert Patterson? Mark. Excuse me, Mark Patterson, which is a great book. Y'all do need to read it because it's awesome. Do what? And, uh, yeah. So... Don't distract me, all right? I'm easily distracted. So she opens the book up, and, and the chapter she's on is sometimes it takes a shipwreck. And in that book, it talks about when troubles happen in your life that you can do one or two things. You can do the best or you can do the worst. And I opened it up today. And I opened to that chapter and it said, How we handle shipwrecks in our lives will determine whether our lives become tragedy or comedy. And I looked at Callie when she opened it up and she just looked up at me and, and she had been so upset and she was so discouraged and she was kind of blaming the lady for not letting us on the plane. And, and we just looked at each other and I said, Well, Callie, I said, there you go. I think, you know, when we missed that plane, I'm not so sure the Lord wasn't trying to teach me a little patience that we get so, you know, on me schedule, my schedule. And sometimes it takes the Lord to maybe smack me down a little bit and say, hey, you know, it's all okay. It, you know, sit down and relax. And things happen on my terms, not yours. And, uh, and I, like I said, I do want to thank all of y'all for your support and prayers because it was, a, it was an amazing thing. I don't know how many, how many people came to the, to the Lord. Do we know? Over 250. Over 250. We had one on our job site, but there was another one that I think probably was going to. He gave a testimony. But, I mean, it's just an amazing thing to watch the Lord work down there. It, you just can't. It's just indescribable, and I can't thank you all enough for supporting us. Thank you, Randy. We... Uh so we worked with the church there to construction, and then our, the main part of our ministry during the week was on a, a church, First Baptist Church, uh, Ariel de Ajuda, which is on the island. We had to ride a ferry every day over. We figured out we rode the ferry 18 times that week, uh, over and back, and so it was a, a great, great opportunity for us to minister. And in that time, we ministered through. Uh, now you saw the the manicure and the haircut, and I didn't cut anybody's hair. All right, they. They had their people did that, but we did uh, dental hygiene. Megan Butchery was in charge of that this year and did a phenomenal job in leading the dental hygiene group. Uh, we had uh, eyeglass ministry. Uh, Steve and Kathy Moore have taken that on as a personal ministry of theirs and do just a great job of organizing that. And then we had happy feet where we washed the kids' feet and we put shoes on them. And uh, um, Lisa Brooks and Jackie Norman took over that and did a, did a great job. And I wanted you to hear from somebody that, that heard a lot about the trip like you last year, but uh, didn't experience it. And then this year got to go and be a part and got to experience what being in Brazil was like. So I've asked Patricia York to come and share a little bit about what God kind of did in and through her in this past week. Okay. Um, before I talk about Brazil, I'm going to talk about the decision to go in the months leading up to Brazil. As he said, I got to hear a lot about Brazil last year because my husband, Ben, went. And the whole time he was gone, I struggled with the fact that I really felt like I needed to be there with him. And when the time came around this past time to sign up to go to Brazil, I made every excuse in the book. And some of them were pretty funny excuses, and some were very legitimate excuses, such as finances and family. And I told God, I just can't do it. I can't do it. And he kept telling me, yes, you can do it. 
And for those of you that know me, and I'm, a, I'm an extreme, extremely type A person, and I have to have, I guess it's because I'm a geometry teacher, but I have to have a reason for everything I do. And, you know, with God, he puts you on paths that are unexplainable. And um, I decided that I was going to go to Brazil, and I committed, and then we had some other issues come up in our family. And I thought, hey, this is my perfect excuse to get out of going to Brazil. But we decided as a family that I was still going to go. And I just want to let any of you know that if you're thinking that God God is calling you to do something, that just step out on faith because it was amazing and it was an unbelievable experience. And I'm so glad that I trusted God in that. But Brother Lyle asked me to share a few things about the ministry I did. And I had the opportunity to do eyeglasses. And it was an amazing ministry. The first day that we got there, we set up in this little area. Um, I don't know. It was very small, and it was closed in on my side, so there was no air. We got everything all set up, and we got ready to get going. And then we decided, let's move, like when there was like five minutes till it was time to get started. So we all moved, and we moved outside, and we had just a wonderful location outside to do our ministry. And um, the way it worked was we had three. T- there were four people in our group to begin with. And I say to begin with because we started off with four, but everybody just chipped in where needed throughout the day. But my group was Steve and Kathy Moore who led, and then Taylor Meadows and me. And we all had um, a little job to do. And Taylor started at the table. She got to help people select their new glasses, and that was fun because they tried them all on. And, you know, you you could tell them good. You would tell them this because if you use okay, that's not good to say that in Brazil. Um, It's a like a dirty word or something. I don't know what it means. But anyways, um, but I started at a table, and I was very nervous. Um, I have been a Christian since I was very small, and I've, this is sad to say, but I, don't, I have never told as many people the plan of salvation as I did the week that I was in Brazil. But I also, at the table with me was an interpreter, and they would have a person come in and sit down, and we would um, first meet their physical needs by giving them glasses and when they were reading they would be reading a piece of paper being able to tell what strength they needed but they were actually reading John 3.16 in Portuguese Um, but we would meet their physical needs with glasses and then we had the opportunity to ask them if they went to church or if they knew who Jesus was and we had the opportunity to do the plan of salvation with everyone who sat down at our table and so The first one, I was very nervous, and I depended highly on my interpreter to help me get through it. But prayers from people here, I know my family and lots of people at the church were praying for me to have the words. And I know God gave me the words to say with every person that sat down at the table with me. Um, But, you know, I'm a mother, and I'm a school teacher, and I'm a Sunday school teacher. And I feel like a lot of times I am the one who is telling people and you know, imparting my wisdom on people. But in Brazil, I felt like I learned a lot of things from the people that I was surrounded by. And I just want to share just a few things um, from what I learned with talking from the people with Brazil. Um, First of all, this one guy that came to my table, he was probably about my third or fourth person. He sat down, and it was evident that he couldn't read. And um, so we were getting him to look at the numbers to be able to tell the strength of glasses. Because even if you don't read, you can use reading glasses for if you're threading a needle or doing anything up close. So we were sitting there and we were talking. And we found out that his wife was sitting at the table, two tables down at Miss Kathy's table. And so we talked to him for a while and everything. And he ended up accepting Christ. And we were able to lead him through the sinner's prayer and everything. And then um, I was saying, you know, well, you need to read your Bible. And it hit me right there that he couldn't read. And I have a Bible that I can read every day. And sometimes I'm too busy to take the time to pick it up. And that was one thing I learned, that God has given me the gift of being able to read. And I need to make time for his word. What was so neat about it is we stood up. I gave the guy a hug. Um, the interpreter gave the guy a hug, and we looked over, and Miss Kathy was praying with his wife, and his wife was making a decision at the exact same time. And that was the first person that I had the opportunity to um, use my voice, God talking through me, to lead to Christ. And then um, one other guy that just, I just see his face sitting across from me. He came in, he was the nicest man, and he just sat down, and he told me all about the sites of Brazil, what I needed to go visit, and, you know, we had such a tight schedule, we didn't get to see a lot of the things, but he was just telling me everything I needed to, you know, he's like my little tour guide. And he's probably stayed at our table for 45 minutes to an hour. He was there for forever. But he was the nicest man, and he knew 
He knew about Jesus. He knew the whole plan. But he was reluctant to accept Christ but he was so scared because he was so scared of screwing up. He said, I just don't feel like I can accept Christ because I don't want to turn my back on him. And it reminded me that, first of all, God's plan of salvation, it's free to all of us. It's a gift. And it's easy. He doesn't make us do all of these things to earn it. He just gives it to us freely. And he accepts all of us just the way that we are. And that's what I told him. He loves you just the way that you are. But he wanted to be perfect. And I think sometimes we want to see what we can do the most and still have, you know, the love of God. The fact is, is love God, God loves you regardless. And he just wanted to be perfect before he accepted Christ because he never wanted to do anything that um, Christ did not like. And, you know, I kept telling him, we all make mistakes, we all sin, and he did not make a decision while we were there in Brazil. So he's still really heavy on my heart, and I hope that he makes a decision. But it was a life-changing experience, and it was, it was great to know um, that you had talked to, I probably talked to 25 people and shared Christ with 25 people every day. And it also made me feel convicted to have that boldness back here in the States. So it was just an amazing trip, and um, just thank you for all your prayers and support. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn for just a moment to Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Let me, let me just say um, some words of thanks to you again. Uh, some of the team's already done that, but uh, thank you so much for your support, for your prayers, for your gifts. Uh, we had some amazing things happen even in the weeks leading up to it. Uh, we, we had plenty of Beanie Babies. We had Beanie Babies to give out, and that's great. We gave out, I don't know how many Beanie Babies we gave out, hundreds of them, but we had plenty. Uh, we, we ran close to being out on the last day, so we used those Beanie Babies extensively. And so any of you that donated, they led to some funny things. I saw a, a little boy and his sister, I guess. So there were two. There was a boy and a girl, and one had a donkey beanie baby with an American flag on it that was called Lefty, and the other had an elephant beanie baby with an American flag on it that was called Righty, and so, uh, you know, it just led to some funny things, uh, gifts that were given out. There was one that I saw that was a cardinal, and it was a Big Mac, which was Mark McGuire from 1998, and I don't know anything about steroids down there, and so, you know, I'm sure they enjoyed that and had fun with it, and so uh, appreciate that. Also, we found out on like Monday, when we were getting ready to leave, or that weekend we're getting ready to leave, that we needed toothbrushes for the dental ministry, that we had to have toothbrushes, that they were running low on lots of supplies. And so we put calls out. And uh, I know Grady Bryant from this church and, and uh, Terry Chamberlain that has family in this church, has uh, been a part of this church in the past, donated things. We People on the team called their personal dentist, and they sent stuff um, Taylor Meadows was able to get from uh, Vanderbilt Dental Clinic a thousand toothbrushes, and so we, in about three days, collected fifteen hundred toothbrushes. Now, one of the things is we don't bring any of that back here. We we leave it there for them to use and to give out ministry. But uh, we gave out. Uh, I know we gave out about. Set, we were on those Vanderbilt toothbrushes by the fourth day. Uh, in getting in that process. And so we gave out well over six, seven, eight hundred toothbrushes, beanie babies, and all that to kids. And I just thank you for your generosity there. Um, the church that we have helped to build is a church that is growing and will be a legacy that our church has invested in Porto Segura, Brazil. We, uh, in the last two years, we have seen over 500 people come to know Christ for the first time because of the ministry that we're doing in Porto Segura. Um, and I just want you to think for a minute what it would be like if we had, in two weeks' time, we had 500 people come to Christ here. Well, the truth is that the only thing that holds back that happening in part is our faithfulness to proclaiming the gospel. Now, I'll be honest with you, the Brazil is much more open and receptive to the gospel than the people that you will encounter on a daily basis. But there's also the fact that we need to be faithful to proclaiming God's message where we are. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, there are three things that I learned. They're going to be very quick. But three things that I learned that I want to share with you and just kind of give you a couple of illustrations from the trip and then uh, challenge you in some way. It starts in chapter 10, verse 14. 
And it simply says this. It's interesting because we're going to read six verses. And verse 14 and 17 uh, are parallel. Verse 15 and 18 are parallel. And verse 16 and 19 are parallel. Okay, and so they go together. Verse 14 says, To the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your forefathers and loved them. And he chose you, their descendants, above all nations as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens. You yourselves were aliens in Egypt. Three things that I learned. And the first thing is this, that God is in absolute control in all places at all times. Now, that's one of those things in the church we talk about, and it wasn't like I didn't know that beforehand, but the truth is that God is in absolute control. The book I mentioned earlier, The Mission of God, one of the statements he says is, you can travel to no place on the face of the earth where God is not already in control in that place. And so when we travel to Porto Seguro, Brazil, as different as it is than here. I mean, it's 75 degrees with a breeze down there right now. As different as it is, that was just to make you a little jealous, and a promo for next year's trip, all right? As different as it is, the same God is in control down there. And this thought just hit me even this morning. That the trip that we took six months to plan, God has been orchestrating and planning since the dawn of time. And so this isn't a perchance thing that happened. One of the things that, that Emily shared in the first service is that she, she shared the gospel with a lady and just felt like she did a terrible job. And she got up and left, didn't accept Christ. But at the celebration service on Saturday night, that lady came forward and accepted Christ. Basically, God shared with Emily that He is the one who is in control of the process. We're to be faithful. There are a couple of simple ways that God showed me He was in control. First of all, we had a small construction team. Uh, There were three of them. uh, Randy, Bob, and Jared did work, even though in the video he's just holding the shovel. All right? Right? I don't know if you noticed this. I just noticed this for the first time, Jared. Even in the video before that, when everybody else is working, you're standing there looking at the blocks, right? You're just looking at them, all right? Rachel is working, and Rachel, who is from Orlando, was there for the summer. But uh, we had a small construction team. And when I got there, after I got there, Gary and I were talking. He said, Lyle, you know what I needed on this team? He said, this is what I needed. I needed somebody that could lay blocks. Well, most of you probably don't know this, but Bob, what did you do before you were a school teacher? He was a block layer, a mason, bricklayer. Okay, Gary said this way. I bragged on Bob in the first service. Gary said that Bob is the best American block layer he has ever worked with. Okay, so he needed a block layer. Second guy he needed was somebody that could work in some dirt. All right, we just happened to have the owner, operator, CEO, CFO. Well, no, Lisa's the CFO. Uh, right. <laughs> And probably CEO, too, of RB, what's his business? Dirt Works, right? Randy said he worked in the dirt a little bit. He worked in the dirt. He prepared a pad for a slab. Worked in that. And then he said, I needed a young, strong back to do some labor. Well, I know Jared is young. I don't know about the other parts of that. But that's what he needed. I'm just joking. Jared, Jared worked hard all week, all right? Here's the thing. Gary said, that's what I needed. And what did God send? Exactly what we needed. Here's another one that just touches me because one of my goals when I'm there overseeing the ministries is to make sure everybody that wants to be served gets to be served. We have numbers assigned for the shoes. For the eyeglasses and the dentistry, we just open the doors and whoever comes, comes. And so for the shoe ministry, we have tickets. The weeks before they've gone out, they've got sizes, they've got tickets. They bring their tickets in, we give them tickets. And so we start the week, and the lady who is helping, who's the missionary's wife, Ozani, comes up to me and says, it's Wednesday, and we've got lots of people not showing up. 
She said, do you mind if we have a family that comes and they've got two kids and one of them's supposed to get shoes and the other one needs shoes, do you mind if we give them a pair of shoes? And I said, here's my only concern. I want every kid that's supposed to get a pair of shoes that comes into this building to get a pair of shoes. She said, okay, we'll manage all that. So Friday comes. I hadn't heard anything else about it. Friday, the last family that walks in the door has a ticket to get shoes, and we've given his shoes away. So Rosanne comes up to me, and she says, I don't know what we're going to do. And I said, well, tell me what's going on. She said, we've got four people left. She said, we've got five pairs of shoes. Let's just see. So the four people get through, and when that family is the only one left, there's one pair of shoes. I mean, it's probably not hard to imagine. They fit perfectly. We gave out every pair of shoes that week, all to kids who desperately needed it. And it was just like God said, I'm in control. In this passage in Deuteronomy, it says this, To the Lord your God belongs the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. Now, you have to understand, in that society, that was completely unheard of to say your God owned everything. They owned their little part of the world. There were, you know, all these different peoples had their gods. And, well, mine owns this part and yours owns that part. The Israelites said, no, our God is the God. I mean, a little later, I told you it parallels to verse 17. Verse 17, if there's any doubt, he is the God of gods, the Lord of lords, the God mighty and awesome, shows no personality, partiality, and accepts no bribes. First thing, our God's in control. Here's the second thing. We are to be about helping the brokenhearted the oppressed and the poor. Verse 15, The Lord has set His affection on your forefathers and loved them. He says, Even though He controls this whole world, He loves you. Even though He has everything in His hands, He loves you and chose you. But then He also says this in verse 18, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. One of the things that happens, and this is, this is a strange phenomenon, when you serve the poor, it's a humbling experience. Now, that doesn't really make sense. Because if you're serving someone less fortunate than you, it ought to give you a sense that they're less fortunate than you. But what happens is, and I think the team would attest to this, and if you've done this, when you serve the poor, it humbles you. And what it says is God has chosen to serve the poor, us, and it is our job to serve the poor. And so we, for a week, served the poor. Now, just to be honest with you, the church that we worked in in the ministries, the people in that church were not as poor as the people that we worked with last year. The people that came were poor. The ministries we did, those people were poor. But let me also tell you this. Even the people that aren't that poor in Brazil, compared to you and I, they are poor. All right? I mean, we, uh, on... Saturday, before all the ministry started, we went through, um, we just went through the neighborhoods, and uh, it's kind of an interesting experience because one of the things they do in Brazil is the pastor puts huge speakers in the back of his trunk, and opens up the trunk and plays music and announcements as loud as he can while you're driving through the streets, and so you know I may try that next week. I'm sure the city of Goodsville would love that. Uh, announcements about the church, what's going on, you know, just pump it up, let it go. So we, uh, we're we doing that with the pastor, and we get out at places, and we go. And what you discovered is these people, they don't have anything. They don't have anything. Um, I, on that particular afternoon, uh, one of the interpreters and myself and the pastor of the church there, my father-in-law, um, we went through, and what you saw was they were so desperate for something that the only place they had to gather were at the bars. And so... Um, there are not many people who can say they've been bar hopping with Phil Jett, but I've been bar hopping with Dr. Jett because we went there and just told them about what we were doing. And you saw these poor people come in. And, and you, you serve all week. And you realize that this is what God's called you to do. On Saturday night celebration service, uh, probably the most meaningful moment of the trip for our team. But we finished giving the invitation. People came to accept Christ. Let me tell you that this... I gave an invitation differently there than I do here. I asked if there was somebody in the in the church that night that had never accepted Jesus, would they stand up? And they just they stood up. Like, can you imagine doing that in a church here? If you're if you're lost, just stand up, everybody, right now, and just stay there. And they did. We give the invitation. People come to accept Christ. They go off. Then the pastor's wife gets up and starts to talk. And then the pastor gets up 
And he uses a verse from Scripture. There's a verse in Scripture where the apostle says that the love of Christ compels us to do what we do. And he says that verse, and then he says this. He looks at us as a team, and he says, and your love that you've demonstrated this week now compels us to show love to the people around us. And we want to show you what we've learned from you this week. And about that time, they had a curtain that separated their worship center from the rest of their church, which was one room. And that curtain opened up, and out from that curtain came 30 to 40 of their church members carrying basins of water, towels, and soap. And they walked up to each member of our team, and one of their church members washed our feet. Now, there were moments when people behind me had their feet washed by kids, teenagers, that they had washed their feet. By people that had worked side by side. I mean, it wasn't like we served them all week. Their church members served us all week anyways. And in that moment, you realized the humble nature of service. He says in this passage that God has a heart for the fatherless, the widow, the stranger, the one in need of food and of clothing. And then verse 16 and 19, this is the last part. He says, circumcise your hearts, therefore do not be stiff-necked any longer. That verse basically says this, that we are to prepare our hearts to be completely devoted to God. Completely devoted to God. And then it says, don't be stiff-necked. They use the word stiff-necked to describe an animal that would not be led. He says, allow God to lead you. And what does that mean? Verse 19 says, we are to love those who are strangers. For you yourselves once were strangers. This is what I kind of came to the conclusion. And this is true if you're in Charleston, South Carolina working, if you're doing a week of project and take back the city, or if you're doing a week in Puerto Seguro, Brazil. If we go for a week and do projects, and then as Jeff said, for the other 50, 51 weeks of the year, we do absolutely nothing, then we have not gotten the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've missed it. We can take that week and feel real good about who we are. And listen, that week was an amazing experience for me in Brazil. The week in Charleston was an amazing experience for our youth. Take Back the City was an amazing experience. We can hold on to that and say, man, that was a great week. But the truth is that if that's all we do, then it is a faint memory and but a shadow of what God intends for us to do. And what God says here is when you have those kind of experiences, you need to be prepared to have your heart completely devoted to Him and to serve Him wherever you are. So that's my challenge to you. Where are you serving the Lord? Is your heart prepared for Him? And are you serving Him completely? In the first service, uh, we finished, had invitation time. Miss Dottie Smith, some of you know Dottie, came down. And she said, I want to share just a word with the congregation. And at the end of the service, she said, I don't see how anybody can listen to the message that these young people have shared with us and not be challenged to do something about it. And then she said, she said, I'm not saying that coming here and sitting every week is a bad thing. She said, but it's time for some of us in this church and our congregation to quit just sitting there and to get out and to do something. And the truth is, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, He has called every one of us to do something. Don't allow Satan to paralyze you with trying to decide what to do. Just do something. We're going to continue uh, service projects. I know Jeff and Coat are talking about plans to continuing Take Back the City and doing a, a weekly or every couple of weeks or monthly or some kind of thing where we're going to give you opportunities to serve where we are. But you don't have to have a formalized program of the church to serve. Every one of you will encounter more people this week that are lost, that are in need of Jesus, than I will. You'll encounter people. And so you need to serve at work, at um, social settings, school, neighborhoods. Serve. Do what God has called you to do to be a part of the mission.